0: You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in, the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes.
1: Thank you for tuning in. And welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancement in healthcare, policy, strategy, and innovation. As always, we're broadcasting from the This JustIn studios on the Business Radio X Network, as well as the Healthcare Now Radio Network. For this episode, my 104th episode, we're going to speak to a good friend, Hans Utz, co-founder and partner with a Combine. I love that name, Hans. Welcome to the show, my friend. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Yeah. So before we dive in, obviously, we had a lot of great content to cover. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up, attend college, all that good stuff?
0: Sure. Well, I, uh, uh, I grew up on the coast of Georgia and uh, you'd, you'd be surprised how many folks don't realize there is a coast of Georgia. <laughs> but it's uh, uh, it's part of the low country. And uh, uh, when I uh, you know, finished up with high school, came to North and went to Georgia Tech to be an engineer. Uh, and so that's uh, that's the that's the path that's led me to the technical uh, technical work I do.
1: Yeah. Now oh, very cool. So where did you get the passion? I um, obviously, if you went to tech, you you have a strong passion for technology naturally. But um, but where did that passion kind of come from? Did you grow up around it? Um, all that.
0: Yeah. So that's a it's a it's a it's a great question. If you don't mind me, uh, you know, taking a little bit a little bit personal, um, fair, fairly specifically to healthcare. In yeah. fact. Uh, you know, a, a general interest in technology, right? Everything in the world <laughs> runs on tech, it feels like, nowadays. Yeah. But um, uh, a, a few years ago, my, my wife and I lost a son. Mm. And it was after a very difficult uh, illness. Um, hypoplastic left heart syndrome was the diagnosis. And if there's any cardiologists listening, they'll recognize the severity of that, uh, of that diagnosis. Um, but we sat, you know, for for weeks in the ICU at the front lines of the absolute best in the world care that, that can be delivered. Right? I mean, so when we talk about technology, this is off the charts. This is this is NASA level technology. It's it's the best that we have as a as a species in terms of what we can deliver. And I remember watching. The caregivers that were there, the nurses and the, and the doctors, and the unbelievable amount of complexity of what they were dealing with every single day, and how, you know, we say technology is enabling, but if we're not careful, technology can also be over, overwhelming. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking that on, on so many fronts, there's so much that we can do, that that we can do to help these people. These, I mean, these heroes really continue to deliver care. And even though we had a, a terrible outcome, I mean, it was it's very, very painful. Um, I could not have felt more cared for or in a better environment than that. And and it came down to the people. It wasn't the technology that did uh-huh. that. It it really came down to the people. And so. Uh, they, we have a lot of motivation. I mean, my, my wife and I would give a lot towards these causes, and um, just have personally a tremendous amount of motivation to to try to enable and empower and, and provide the tools and support for these caregivers to uh, to continue to do the great work they do.
1: Yeah. I, first of all, moving story. I did not know about your loss. We've been friends for a couple of years, but I did not know that. So, um, obviously, uh, sorry there, but. What a phenomenal story, and and I couldn't agree more, Hans. Uh, my passion in healthcare, I've been pretty much on the innovation side. Some of the some service, because you, when you have a technology company, you have to have service wrapped around it, and to an extent. But um, but as healthcare has evolved, and as you just articulated very well, it's about the people, it's about the caregivers, and my passions now really lie around having that. I, I call it in, innovation enabled service. It's a service. It's about the care providers. It's about the people. It's about the technologists in our industry, about the innovators. Um, But it's about the human. We're using um, technology and innovation, but it's not about innovation itself. It's about how do we use it? How do we implement it? How do we build best practices around it? And how does how do we use innovation and all of our expertise to benefit healthcare across the entire spectrum? So couldn't agree more. That's that's well said. I love it. So during our lunch, you brought up a great concept. And I've, I've seen it out there a little bit, but you articulated it very well. Um, so we, I think I got, you, I got you on air literally as fast as I could. Um, you talked about one of the strategies in the combine. And the combine, what you guys do, and I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, you guys do a lot to, to benefit uh, companies across the entire spectrum, not just in healthcare, but in, in a lot of sectors, I believe. But um, But you brought up one specific one around large enterprises um, and, and not innovating. So why aren't large enterprises more innovative, I guess is the best way to kind of put that. You know, that's it's a great question. And, and I want to maybe take a little exception with the way that, that
0: I think folks generally frame that uh, large, large enterprises are innovative, right? They're, I yep. mean, the, the highest, contributors to patent filings are large enterprises, right? And and they're, you know, these companies are on the front lines solving problems that they're seeing in their various industries and, and healthcare is no different. And in fact, I'd say actually healthcare is, is pretty exemplary for this. Um, so the, the challenge isn't whether they're innovating. I think the biggest issues are, are they commercializing that innovation? Are they able to get the great ideas and great solutions that their folks are generating off the shelf, out of the four walls, and into the market in a way that, that in, in in most industries drives the bottom line. In in healthcare, really fundamentally improves patient outcomes, right? Uh, that's the challenge. It's, it's not one of innovation, it's one of commercialization. What's the, uh, th- there's a great quote that Thomas Edison has. It says, uh, invention is 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration, right? And it's that perspiration part that I think people tend to tend to uh, give short shrift to. Yeah.
1: No, excellent. So, what are some of the specific challenges facing large enterprises in trying to bring their innovation to market? Yeah, so there's uh, there's a couple that that I
0: think we see routinely, right? And and they don't get looked at I think particularly closely, but The first one we can talk about is around uh, corporate governance, right? If you you look at what the job of a CFO or what the general counsel's role is in a large company, their job is to make sure that the company continues to exist tomorrow and well into the future. And so when you go to them and say, hey, we want to – take on this extremely capital-intensive, high, high-risk opportunity in a business that's different from what we typically do every day, uh, let's throw a bunch of money at it, uh, they're they're required, really, by their roles to tap the brakes on that and, 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 and intercede. And then unless you solve that kind of issue and provide a mechanism for them to be able to authorize the sort of capital that's required, they're going to have difficulty getting on board with that another one and this one we'll talk a little bit as it, as it relates to healthcare is around workforce capability and and do you you know it's one thing to see the problem and come up with a good idea but do you have business leaders within your company that are experienced with taking very very early phase ideas right. and driving them into the market in a cash efficient manner i mean that's just a unique skill set and and many organizations don't have that Right, and then, and then the last one is really around the organizational structure. How, how do you assemble a team with a very diverse background uh, and array of skills to very efficiently and quickly? Uh, if you think about what a, what a startup r- really is, it's just a, an extremely autonomous team with very localized decision authority that is, you know, by necessity, aggressively multifunctional. It's one thing to set up in a startup. It's very difficult to do that in a large enterprise. And so these things uh, provide friction, I think,
1: towards getting that innovation out of the four walls of the company. Yeah, no, I mean, I've I've lived this, I guess, in in so many ways. My early career I worked for I came into a large company right out of college, uh, HBO and company, which then merged with McKesson. But we. um, we were we were not an innovator I mean I, I love loved my experience. I love the people I worked with, I loved the company, um, but we weren't building big innovation. we were acquiring big innovation um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but we weren't truly the best innovators of things that we actually created from within our four walls. so I, I lived and breathed exactly what uh, what you're what you're hitting on. you've covered it a little bit. Um, yeah. What, any additional specific challenges that we face in healthcare um, regarding this or or is it uh, or, or is it different? Or are we just kind of the same with everybody else? What do you think there?
0: Well, I, w- I would say you're the you're you're similar to a higher order, right? So, so the, the, here's what we see a lot in, in healthcare. Um, honestly, Justin, it's it's hard to argue that there is a better profession trained in the art of of diagnosing a problem and solving a problem, mm-hmm. than, than the medical professional, right? right. I, I mean, so so other other industries may accidentally stumble on solutions or have some process around stumbling on solutions, but in healthcare, you have, you know, thousands, millions of people who are specifically trained on the scientific method, whose job it is on a daily basis to diagnose issues. And so thinking that they're just gonna turn their that part of their brain off when they step away from the patients and not look at, you know, hospital processes or not look at billing systems or not look at all of the other things that you're dealing with in healthcare is, is ludicrous. Of course they're doing that. And we see that all the time. That that gets to my earlier issue around workforce capability, though. Again, it's one thing to very elegantly and cleanly diagnose a problem and even potentially come up with a solution. It's a very different set of skills to learn or to know how to, you know, what's the level of funding this thing needs to have to get to market? How do you structure uh, a team around a very, very early phase concept to develop the technology? There's... Plenty of doctors that I've seen that have identified a very, very difficult, you know, uh, system problem that then have gone out and taught themselves how to code in order to create the solution for that. And, and as much as I love medical professionals, the, the best doctor coder in the world is not compa- going to compare to a coder that's been doing it their entire life. So it's really around, you, you know, recognizing your lanes recognizing where your skill sets are and being able to assemble the team around the idea necessary to execute.
1: Now, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Great advice. And for those just tuning in, we're speaking with Hans Unz, co-founder and partner with the Combine. So you mentioned R&D and, and investment there. Is the investment in R&D sufficient for innovation that we currently see?
0: You know, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about R&D. Everybody talks about R&D as if it's one word. Right. But it's two completely different things. Research and development mm-hmm. are two different activities. So and a lot of people forget, forget that. Right. And so what, what you'll see a lot in the, in the market is uh, plenty of money spent on the R side of research and development. And kind of a lot of floundering and unsurety of what to do on the development side of, of that, right? And, and this is actually reasonably well known in uh, a number of, of large enterprises. I, I use GE often as an, as an example here. They have entire organizational structures set up around handling the transition from, you know, science based research into commercial based development. And and that is something that I think the healthcare industry is only just beginning to really recognize uh, is something you have to grapple with.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> I guess how should you know? I think about partners in early stage innovation. I mean, now how how would we build upon that? Yeah. So I mean, there's a number of different ways that I think. Uh,
0: well, let's use healthcare specifically as the example in this case, yeah. right? You see a lot of uh, you see a lot of medical institutions or medical systems partnering with, for example, academic institutions for precisely this kind of activity, and uh, there are definite benefits for that, uh, uh, particularly in terms of being able to achieve scale and having, uh, having a tremendous number of engaged and interested resources to work on particular problems. But we see again and again that that, that drives, to, to my earlier point, that really drives the research. Mm-hmm. When, when it moves on to the development side, in many ways, academic institutions are just as hampered as some of the um, uh, healthcare systems uh, and in fact, I, I would argue in some cases they're actually more hampered uh, in, in terms of being able to bring some of those things to market, right? So you have, you have the examples of, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really realize this, but particularly in the case of public institutions, you have enormous constraints around what you can do with IP yeah. and how you can allow that IP out into the market and who benefits from that particular IP. The other thing that, that, and I don't mean to cast aspersions here, right, mm-hmm. but this is just a practical reality that we have to grapple with. You're seeing a lot of business programs and universities and other things develop entrepreneur track uh, curriculum, for example. And there's some helpfulness to that, but I, I would caution against Overselling that as a as a point of of value at the, at the end of the day, true entrepreneurialism is a, an apprenticeship business. You've got to get in the trenches and you've got to do it. Learning the theory of entrepreneurialism yeah. gets you only so far until you you hit the street and y- you know you have to make payroll next month and none of your suppliers <laughs> have sent the money in yet. Right? That's, yeah. that's just you've got to that's not something that you're going to teach someone in school. You've got to experience that and work through it to really understand uh, how to do it.
1: Yeah. There's a lot there um, uh, for sure, because I almost say it's, you know, you really don't know how you're going to react until you get punched in the face. And that's the exact same example with, you know uh, my gosh, making payroll or, you know, not doing enough customer discovery. and, And next thing you know, you may have taken a little bit of money, but you're not getting customers. You're not, you know, you're not building out your uh, your organization, your use cases. I mean, there's so many components to being an entrepreneur and then how to, you know, even I remember in our early days at Greenway, we did really well for the first couple of years. <clears throat> and then um, I think it was like, 05, 06, 05 maybe We had a tough year. It looked like we actually could have been flat or almost down in our sales. And we just kind of laced up our boots, and um, and we legged it out. We just called it, you know, we basically put on our boots, we laced them up, and we went to work. And um, and uh, we ended up crushing it for the year. Not as well as we did other years, but I think you know, usually we grew almost like 25% a year, 35% a year for 11 years. But that year we may only grow in like 15 or 14. But still, that was we almost still gonna have a down year. But we kind of got in there, and thankfully, a couple of us had been entrepreneurs before that. We knew. how to buckle down. And we've been punched in the face before, but we knew how to get back up again and, and go back at it. And none of that can be taught in a school at <laughs> all. That's absolutely correct. I, 100% there with you. That, that, and that's, I think, what we try to stress a lot
0: is that that you know, it's great that you have people that understand the what a cap table is, because you've been taught that in school. It's great that you have people that understand what Typical venture equity terms are. You, you know these things are good and they're very important to know, but you know what, how do you clamp down on costs within a one week span of time to make sure that you make po- payroll? How do you, you know, you got suppliers that aren't paying you? You get on the phone and you call and you call and you call and you call. And and it, it, some of these things, to what you're saying, it, it's an experience thing. So you just got to do it.
1: So so one of the one of the um, topics, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but we brought up is um, how the combine kind of gets in there. And well, we'll, before we go too far, tell us about healthcare institutions and how they're starting to specifically set up these focuses around innovation, because we talked about that. These chief innovation officer type roles. But still, I think there's some big gaps. So so give me your questions. Give me your, your thoughts and answers on that.
0: Yeah, so, so here's, here, here's the thing, right? When you're going to make investments in innovation, uh, it, it's very advantageous to have enormous amounts of scale and capital at your disposal, right? So it's, it's one thing for the Stanford Medical Center, which is building a, I don't know, however many billion dollar building right now. Uh, extraordinarily well-funded, tightly tied to Stanford Business School, with all sorts of entrepreneurial experience and huge benefactors, a lot of wealth from the Valley of entrepreneurs themselves, um, a lot of entrepreneurs themselves yeah. that uh, uh, you know support that particular system in developing innovation, and and that is very difficult to replicate in any other market, right? So when you see folks having success in this space, when you when you see folks doing things that are uh, um, working, you, you always have to kind of take a little bit of a look at what advantages they had to begin with, because some of that is not replicable. Some of that is not something you could just say, well, we're gonna pick those things up and we're gonna move it to this other system and make it work there. Right. Uh, so, so what we try to do with the combine is take a look at that next tier of system or service provider that you know aren't aren't you know conveniently located next door to the largest conglomeration of venture wealth in the universe, right? right. Uh, uh, and and how can we help those organizations identify the innovation that they have within their four walls? Help them think through a structured approach that de risks to the extent possible, bringing that innovation out to market. And then, how do you get that pushed out as broadly and widely as possible to improve patient outcomes and the care delivery experience? That's really the, the work of the Combine and, and how, you know, what we do to try to help some of these organizations.
1: Yeah, I love the concept and what you guys are doing because I've certainly, as we discussed over lunch, I've seen so many health hospitals and health systems um, begin these programs. Some have done it very well. I work pretty closely with UPMC. Um, We're actually doing a think tank up there in October, really in their innovation center, but it's exactly what they've been able to create. Um, And they've done, they've done fairly well, but I think you can count on maybe one or two hands, the, the institutions that have done it really well. Um, But I'm not saying anything negative. I mean, I, I am, I, um, you know, I'm excited for them, I support this, uh, this strategy by these health systems, and I think it's, I think it's um, essential, it, it's essential to bringing their best practices, th- their, you know, hospitals and health systems being able to deploy technology and innovation with some of the brightest care providers, you know, in the world, um, test things, but as you said, we've got to make sure, and this is where a lot of them kind of come up short, at least in the beginning, is it's not replicatable. It's really for their instant only. Or they created something inside. They bring it to. They say, all right, we're going to create an innovation center around it, and we're going to try to, to uh, bring it to other health systems. And it's just not exportable. It's just it's a specific. Mm-hmm. It's specific to a, a workflow or a um, subspecialty or something like that. And it's just not replicatable outside the four walls of their institution. And so, you know, I, when you and I were speaking, I think we both agreed completely, and we've both seen this happening out there. So I I really do love what the Combine um, is doing. So, you know, what, just to close out that one aspect of the conversation, what else would you have, you know, how else could you say that you guys benefit or what are some of the next steps you guys are going to take to help our hospitals and health systems with this type of a strategy?
0: Sure. So, well, I mean, let's, if you don't mind, let me just talk a little bit about what, how the Combine does some of this, right? And so um, our, we have a You know, I wanna put air quotes around the word process, right, because uh, I think you mentioned earlier, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Exactly. Right, so we, we recognize that every circumstance and situation and client and innovation, frankly, is all unique. But in general, what we do is we'll start an engagement with a client and really help them understand the value of what their innovation is. We help them answer that question. Does this translate out of the four walls, or is this really only a problem solved for a specific use case that we have that no one else really does? We do what what is called uh, an investment-grade diligence on these concepts, and and we do the customer discovery. We do all of those uh, steps that are necessary uh, to, to really drive into that technology and uh, determine whether it's translatable, and if it is translatable, what sort of value does it have? And what's interesting about healthcare is that value doesn't necessarily mean uh, uh, ROI or monetary return. I mean, that's always great, but what, what particularly I love about, about healthcare is that anything that really improves patient outcomes falls into the category of value. And, and, and that's a huge, huge metric that, that people want to pay attention to. Uh, and so after that, after that particular engagement, any system would be able to say, look, I've got these five things of the five three of them are something that's pretty unique to the things that we need to be working on. Two of them can translate out into the broader market, and if I were to translate them into the broader market, this is the investment that's gonna be required on them, these are the customers that we're gonna be going after, this is the way that we go after them, and this is what the team needs to look like in order to execute that. So it solves a lot of those experiential questions that people stumble on a lot when, when spinning up technology. The, the second part of the engagement is, we, we offer this as well, uh, w- w- my partner and I and our team, we've, you know, all, you know, cumulatively run something like 20, 25, uh, different enter- or early phase startup enterprises. And so we take, uh, or we can take uh, executive roles with the new startup as it spins out. And, and we, for less than what would cost you to have a permanent CEO, Right. We're capable of providing that same guidance, expertise, and insight that you would with an experienced startup CEO for the first, you know, say, 12 to 36 months of that startup, right? And over the course of its life, we will recruit the permanent team, recruit the permanent players, identify uh, what the skill sets are necessary as you go to market. My business partner says this all the time, right? You you have a theory about that company when you take it to market. But until you hit the market, your theory is just that. And you may find out that you need a slightly different skill set in these positions as you're taking it into market. Well, the benefit of using the combine in that case is that we're temporary. You're going to replace us. You get to try those markets with us and to, to learn about how the markets work to identify what the permanent long-term talent needs to be in those those positions.
1: I love it. Hey, Hans, we're at time. I love what you guys are doing, you and KP. Um, please keep it up. Uh, and I'm going have to have to have you back on the show so we can hear more of the progress. But um, thank you again. And I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Justin. It's a pleasure. You got it, my friend. And thank you to everyone for listening and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor. And use the hashtag thisjustin so we can respond to your comments from the show. Uh, in addition, all my content will be posted at justinbarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.